You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, greetings and welcome in. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this is Theology for the Rest of Us coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 179, and I'm going to be talking about this thing called Halloween and how should Christians approach this uh, this holiday. Is it considered a holiday? I guess it, I think it is considered a holiday, right? Uh, how should Christians approach Halloween? Uh, I've actually been asked this a bunch of times over the course of my ministry career and adult life by a variety of people. And then over the last few months, I've actually been asked, uh, I think I got three different emails over the last few months from different listeners asking about this. And, uh, and then recently got an, an email from another, uh, from one of those listeners a second time saying, Hey, are you going to cover this? Uh, we're approaching Halloween. And then it dawned on me, Oh my gosh, it is, it is, it's late October and I still haven't covered this. And so I apologize to those of you who have asked about this. You probably have already made your Halloween plans at this point. So I'm probably kind of late to the game, but my hope is that this episode will be valuable to you, even though it's later in the game than it ought to have been. And then of course, I hope this is valuable to, to everyone kind of going beyond just Halloween, but really thinking about how we engage with our culture. Hey, one quick reminder for everyone before we get to the content for today's episode, and that is a reminder about our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Uh, I know there are many people that are using certain podcast apps uh, where you don't go all the way back to the beginning. You're scrolling and you can't see the earliest episodes. Well, the best way to find it is actually on our website uh, where you can see all of our previous 178 episodes with show notes, you know, resources and explanations in the show notes for each episode. And so you can go, you can actually search by topic or genre if you like as well, or keyword, and that'll pull up all the episodes related to whatever topic you are searching for. So I encourage you to check that out. And then of course, while you're on the site, I would also encourage you to check out our resources section. I've got a bunch of recommended books, blogs, podcasts, things of that nature, things would be helpful to you as you seek to do additional studies and so on encourage you head on over and check that out as soon as possible theology for the rest of us.com all right let's get to the question how should christians approach halloween um, this is one of those questions where we really begin to grapple with how should we approach culture like there are some people that say we ought to really beat back the culture there are some people that would say we ought to abstain or kind of withdraw from culture there are some people that would say we want to insert ourselves and bring change to the culture. There are some people that say we want to insert ourselves and not necessarily change the culture, uh, but but try to redeem the culture and try to get the culture to shift in what they're doing to do it for different motivations and to kind of to do it for redemptive purposes, not necessarily change what they're doing, but to do it for different uh, for gospel centric uh, redemptive purposes. You know, there's a variety of different ways uh, that we can approach culture. And and, and, you know, and the, you know, the, the traditions of our society, um, and I think all of those have their place. I think there are moments where there are things from culture where we should just absolutely abstain from, and there are things in culture that we should absolutely try to kind of beat it back and change it because it's horrific in some way. Uh, and, but I think most things in culture, I think, are better. I think the best approach to most elements of culture is to try to bring redemption to it, to try to not necessarily change what people are doing but to get people to think about it from a redemptive or gospel-centric purpose. That, that is typically my response um, 
to a variety of things within our culture. And I think that's kind of typically my response to Halloween. So, so specifically with Halloween, and there are a variety of different perspectives here. You know, there are some people that say, that's a demonic holiday. We should just stay away from it. And, and the reality is, I think I think there's some merit to that argument. I think there are some people that say, listen, it's no big deal, whatever, who cares? It's just another fun little silly thing to do. Why do we even have this conversation? Just go trick-or-treating if you want, who cares? Um, and then there are some people that would say, actually, we should maybe use this for uh, for evangelism purposes. I remember when I was a kid, um, I actually got uh, one of those old ch- chick tracks. Um, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I remember coming home from trick-or-treating and going through my candy, and, and there was this little booklet, and it was a little kind of little mini comic book about these kids. I don't remember what they were doing, but I, at the end, they were in hell. They were, they were talking to Satan. I don't remember, honest, honestly, I don't remember, but it was talking about Jesus. And I, mean, I might have been, I was an elementary school student. I might have been second or third grade. And I remember my dad grabbed it. He, he wasn't hostile or angry, but he just like, oh, yeah, religious people sometimes, they want to tell you about their religion. He kind of just tossed it on the table, and I never read it again. I don't, I don't remember what happened to it. Probably just got tossed out, whatever, the same day or the next day or whatever. Um, but I remember that, and I actually had forgotten about that just till recently. It's, somehow that that memory just popped in my, my, in my brain. And, um, Maybe that was just the Holy Spirit wanting me to use it in this episode. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not against that necessarily. Uh, I just thought, I remember thinking about that was an interesting way to kind of try to use Halloween as an evangelism for evangelism purposes. And if you're just, if you decide to do that, I don't have a problem with that. If you want to hand out chick tracks or do some other whatever, that's totally cool with me. It's not necessarily my flavor, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I know there's a lot of churches that do uh, alternative events where Christians don't have to participate in the, the Halloween particular items they can do a fall festival at their church or they do a harvest festival or something like that i remember the church i was a part of for many years when i first came to faith in christ they did this thing called chunk or uh, trunk or treat maybe your church does something like this where they'd, they'd get a bunch of cars in the parking lot and they'd all park in a big circle with the trunks in and so they have this massive circle and they'd have people open their trunks and they'd have just tons of candy in each individual trunk and they'd have like little activities at each car and so you'd go through several dozens of cars kids would come in costumes and they'd go car to car and have to do a little activity and then they would get as a prize they'd be able to get candy from the trunk and they would just get loads of candy and it was a big event and you know the, the church used it as kind of a as a way to uh, to serve the community lots of people from the community would come to this event that weren't even Christians and it was sort of a again a, an evangelistic outreach sort of deal um, they didn't necessarily preach the gospel there they, it was just more of a way to serve the community and invite people to get them on the church property and kind of tell them about the church so uh, I, I think that was relatively effective in some ways and I don't have a problem with that again is that my flavor maybe not but am I against that? Of course not. I, I think I think there's a strong case to be made for any one of these sort of perspectives. Um, and I know there are some people that would say, listen, Halloween's got these, these evil pagan roots. We should stay away from things that have evil pagan roots. And I would say, if someone says that, you know, to some extent, you're right. Uh, Halloween does have... Uh, you know, pagan roots. If someone listening to this doesn't doesn't know, just, I'll give you the quick history. Many historians believe that the idea of Halloween dates back to the to the Celtic tribes that uh, that lived in what is now modern day uh, Ireland, England, and, and France. Uh, the old Celtic tribes, more than two years ago, or excuse me, two, more than two thousand years ago. Excuse me. Um, and that they would have these festivals uh, as the uh, as the, the the seasons were changing, and they believe that they, on this particular day that this is the day that the spirits of the dead would kind of come and commingle among the living, and that some of the people in the living, some of the living people would wear these costumes uh, to to pretend to be spirits to kind of uh, trick the spirits into thinking that they were one of them, so that the spirits wouldn't attack them. Like humans would be wearing costumes to try to fool the spirits into thinking that that this human was actually not a human, but actually a spirit. Um, 
and, and in fact, we know very little about what the Celtic tribes are doing. Some of the historians believe this. Some historians believe this actually never even happened. This is just kind of made up folklore. So we don't even really, we don't really know for sure if it actually even does have pagan roots. Um, but by the mid 700s, there is this holiday um, where, where, where we are celebrating the saints. Um, and this was pretty normal as the Catholic Church expanded across what is now modern-day Europe. Uh, as the Catholic Church expanded throughout the continent of Europe, it was pretty normal for the Catholic Church to go into a society, to, to people who'd be converted, they'd become Christians, but that elements of that of the of the tribes or the elements of the culture would stay in place, and again it would just be redempted. They would do it for different purposes. They would still do the same thing, but would change their motivation. And in some cases, this was more prominent the further away from Rome you got. So by the time you got to the far western parts of Europe, where there are Celtic tribes, or even down in kind of the, the lower portions of of the northern half of the African continent, you have tribes that are becoming Christians but are still participating in their old traditions, where where the the nations that were closer to Rome, as they converted to Christianity, they would they would actually almost in some cases abandon some of their old you know, ways and and adopt more Roman things because they were closer to Rome and they probably had already been impacted by Hellenistic or Roman culture to some extent. Um, but we had the Celtic tribes to the western to the western fringes. What they were more likely to do is to simply keep doing what they were already doing, but then do it for different purposes. And and this idea of of celebrating a kind of the, the, the or having festivals or related to the spirits of the dead kind of begin to permeate throughout Western Europe. And by the time we get to the mid 700s, um, there is this holiday where there's a celebration or at least a, a moment where we would pray for the dead. And this actually becomes an official Catholic holiday, which was known as All Hallows Day. Our, our modern understanding of that word would be All Saints Day. And that this was the day where they basically would celebrate and pray for the dead and the previous saints that went before us. And then by the mid 800s, 100 years later, this actually became an official Catholic holiday. November 1st was considered All Hallows Day or All Saints Day. And then the day before, the eve of All Hallows Day would be All Hallows Eve, right? So and it becomes Hallows Eve. And through the course of time, that originally evolves into Halloween. So All Saints Day is November 1st. The day before was Hallows Eve. And then Halloween eventually becomes, and side note, this is still a Catholic holiday. All, All Saints Day is still a Catholic holiday till today. Um, so this is right around the mid-800s. Uh, by, the, by the 1200s, these days were known as the Days of the Dead. And and this is still very popular in some parts of the world today. Um, and right around the mid-1200s, what you have is pe- poor people who couldn't afford food would go door to door asking for food in return for prayer of the dead. So poor people would knock on someone's door and say, hey, you have a loved one who's dead, but who's in purgatory, hasn't made it to heaven yet. But this was prominent Catholic theology at the time and still is in a lot of parts of the world. Um, they would knock on the door and say, hey, you have someone who's in purgatory. I'll pray for them to get out. The more people who are praying for them to get out, the sooner they get out of purgatory. And so people who had food would then give poor people the food in return for prayer for their for their loved ones to get out of purgatory and get into heaven. But, you know, so the, again, we've got a four or 500 year of evolution uh, of, of this kind of transforming. Um, and again, the idea that this is the days of the dead is still a very prominent thought throughout Latin America and different parts of Asia. Any place where the Catholic Church was very prominent in Asia, so like the Philippines and parts of Cambodia or Vietnam, um, the, the Catholic Church had some influence in different parts of the world in, in, in Asia uh, throughout the centuries. 
till this day, this idea where there's a celebration or the festivals of the Days of the Dead, it's still very prominent. It's very prominent in parts of Mexico and parts of Latin America. Um, by the mid 1800s, the practice uh, the practice of celebrating or praying for the dead had not been nearly as strong because of the the Protestant Reformation had a dramatic impact on culture. Um, by the mid 1800s, it was still practiced, but it wasn't as strong. And then you have thousands of European immigrants coming to the United States. Um, and they are bringing these practice with them to the United States. So by mid 1800s, and now in Europe, um, when they would go door to door, the poor people would go door to door asking for food and return of prayer. They would have these lanterns made out of turnips, and they put a candle inside, and that was the that was the way. But when the American, when the European immigrants came to the United States in the mid 1800s, at some point they replaced the turnip with the pumpkin, and that's kind of the birth of the the jack o' lantern. Um, but again, this by the late 1800s, this had become a very secular affair. It had a very secular flair to it. It wasn't as religious. It wasn't really pagan. It was just kind of a, a thing we did, um, you know, by the late 1800s in the United States. And then and then after that, it becomes very, very much commercialized, as we Americans have a tendency to do. We have ability to commercialize everything, don't we? And then over the last hundred years or so of American history, this 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 tradition, this European tradition, morphed and evolved into what we have today—a very commercialized, sort of silly trick or treat phenomenon, right? Um, so yes, while there is some evidence that there are pagan roots in them, um, you know, more than a thousand years ago, this was sort of redeemed by the Catholic Church and kind of transformed, and that much of the modern traditions. That we implement the the, the, the trick or treating, the jack o' lantern, the pumpkin, um, much of the elements that has kind of survived and, and kind of become a part of the commercialized American version of Halloween actually aren't pagan at all. They don't have their roots in pagan theology or pagan elements or pagan festivals. They mostly have their roots in in Catholic theology and some of the flawed Catholic theology of the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and kind of the the European expansion and so. I think as we as we examine Halloween, yes, it, there is some evidence that there's pagan roots, but but really it's more Catholic roots of anything. It's not really necessarily pagan per se. Um, so listen, I I understand the argument. If you say, listen, I want to stay away from it completely because it's got demonic roots or pagan things attached to it, and you want to just stay away, I say that that's totally fine. I'm not going to argue with you. However, I, I think there's lots of things that do. Like, for example, the word Monday. Um, that's the day that the Anglo and Germanic tribes would honor or worship the goddess of the moon. It was the, the moon goddess day, Monday. Um, or Wednesday. That was the day the Norse tribes uh, honored the the the, the, the Nor one of the you know one of their Norse gods, Woden, which was the Roman god Mercury. Um, and so that was the day they worshiped honor that god. So so whenever you call the day Monday, you call it Wednesday, you you are in essence using terminology. You are engaging in something that has pagan roots in it. Like, And so uh, do you go around and calling it Wednesday? You do, because like, that's Wooden's Day. So if you're not going to participate in Halloween, that I would also encourage you maybe not to use the word Wednesday. Maybe call it call it the fourth day. All right, Don't call it Monday. Call it the second day of the week or call it the day after the Lord's Day. Don't use the word Monday anymore because it's got pagan roots. Um, now, listen, I know that's sort of silly to some extent because um, I, I do recognize that Halloween and our and our and our modern understanding of Halloween def definitely has some some elements that, that could expose your kids to demonic things that you don't want them exposed to. I understand that using the word Monday or Wednesday doesn't have the same direct implications um, as as participating in kind of the Halloween stuff. Um, but I'm just making the point that I think sometimes we, we pick and choose inconsistently what we want to engage in and what we don't. 
Um, and so what, what I think is that I think Christians ought to be thinking biblically about anything we participate in, any event or any holiday, not just things like Halloween. Let's not just pick and choose what we want to engage in what we don't. Let's be consistent. Um, and so listen, if you want to abstain from Halloween because you say you think it's just too connected with evil, that's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. My encouragement with, to you would be to simply think about what are the other areas that maybe you're participating in that have the same effect that maybe you haven't consistently considered. Um, that's not my approach, but I understand it. I'm not going to argue with it. My approach would be to seek to redeem it, to penetrate it, and to participate it in such a, and participate in that in such a way that it changes the motivation and that I use it to somehow to to demonstrate the gospel to people, whether my words. Or in actions, but I want to do it intentionally, and I want to be prayerful. I want to prayerfully consider how can I participate in these things in a gospel-centric manner. And so, if you want to abstain completely, I'm totally cool with that. If you want to jump in in a prayerful, intentional way and use it for gospel purposes, that's too cool. What's that's cool too? What I think is really unacceptable, in my opinion, is that you just participate in it flippantly. There's lots of people, lots of Christians that just go, "Well, whatever. It's who cares? Just no. It's no big deal. Why? Why are you even having this conversation? You shouldn't even." think about it. And in my opinion, that is wholly unacceptable. Listen, that, that is it's inappropriate because I think God wants us to intentionally and prayerfully engage in things in our culture, not just be random or flippant. Quick caveat, I do not have kids, so I can't tell you what I do with my kids on a regular basis because I don't have any. Um, but but I, I think I can speculate to what I think what I might do uh, if I did have kids, I, I know that I would I would seek to have conversation with my kids to teach them about these sort of moments and how we can use these moments to be salt and light. Um, I think one thing that I would want to do that I actually have do, done as a single man with some of my friends is that we give away the best candy. Like one of our goals was that when kids came to our house, they would they would walk away thinking that's the best candy on the block and that they would be excited. And, and really with the motivation of, of being generous, like really demonstrating to the kids on our block that there are people in your community that are willing to go above and beyond to be generous and kind to you. And we would just give them the, the, the biggest candy bars and the most amount of candy possible. Like that was at least some of the goal, uh, some of the motivation in that. And I would try to, I, if I had my own kids, I would sit down and try to have that kind of conversation. How do we, how do we use these moments to, to demonstrate elements of the gospel? Um, if I had kids, I probably would not allow them to uh, wear any costumes related to ghosts or goblins or spirits or demons or devils or anything like that. I would, I would, I would, I would get that off the table because again, that doesn't help us demonstrate. It doesn't help us be salt and light. It doesn't help us demonstrate the gospel. Um, and I probably would also say no, nothing to the. There's a lot of like the the, the slasher film costumes and the the murderers and the. the you know the you know the, the Michael Myers and the Freddy Kruegers and the Jason Mads. Those things I would say no. That's that's off the table. Um, we, we don't do that because again, that doesn't help us demonstrate the gospel. Um, and I probably also would demand some element of creativity uh, because again, it, it, I would want to force my kid to be intentional in the way they think about these sort of moments and say, don't just randomly pick a costume, but let's let's be creative in coming up with an idea that has an intentional purpose. It has a motive. It has a reason. It doesn't have to be necessarily a Bible character. When you go to people's doors, you can say, I'm Noah and I'm here to tell you to repent from the coming judgment. Like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying you should do. I mean, if you want to have at it, um, I'm just saying what I would try to do with my kids is try to be 
creative in some way to get them to think intentionally about what costume they would choose. And maybe you would do this as they got older, maybe little kids, you, maybe you just you slap a pumpkin on their head and you take them out, whatever. I don't know. Maybe for little girls, you make them um, Princess Anna or Elsa from Frozen and you have at it or whatever. I don't know. Um, but maybe as they got older, maybe you would kind of challenge them to be a little more creative. Uh, maybe you could talk to your kids about how this has kind of become an American tradition and sometimes we participate in these sorts of things because we're excited about the fact that we're American and we we celebrate the freedoms we have here in the United States. And of course, if you don't live in the U.S., it doesn't necessarily apply to you, but maybe it does in some other way. Maybe maybe Halloween in your society is just the same and you can use the same sort of thought process. Or maybe there's something else, some other event you can participate and kind of take that mentality. I think there, there are a variety of ways that we can engage in a way that again, that is not flippant. It's not just, oh, this is what everyone does, so we just do it. No, like do it in a way that's intentional. That would force your kids to think creatively and, and maybe even prayerfully. Maybe a couple weeks before Halloween, you get your kids together and over dinner one night and you say, hey, let's let's pray that God would give us wisdom and creativity on how we can use Halloween as a way to, to shine his light, to be salt and light in the world, to, to demonstrate kindness and generosity to our neighbors and our community and, and not be flippant, but to do it in a way that is intentional. Um, with you, you know, with your family. And I think this is going to be different from each family case to case. This is going to be different. My challenge to everyone is anytime we are engaging in elements of culture, don't simply run from it immediately, but prayerfully, um, intentionally, cautiously, carefully, diligently, really consider what you might be able to do and how you might be able to engage and penetrate that particular thing and to do so with gospel-centric motivation and redemptive purpose and ask the Lord to give you ideas on how you can redeem these moments and these holidays like Halloween. And I am very confident that if you do that, that if you take that prayerful, intentional approach, and the Holy Spirit will give you great creative ideas on how you can intentionally penetrate those moments and redeem them for gospel purposes, to, to have gospel redemptive purposes in all that you do as you engage with your culture. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been insightful and helpful. Uh, I want to make an, a quick offer to everyone listening to this, and this is going to sort of be on the honor system, all right? It's going to be on your word. Um, if you've listened to this episode and it has challenged you to maybe reconsider how you approach Halloween in some way or another, maybe maybe before you used to abstain, maybe, maybe you and your family are not going to consider prayerfully and intentionally uh, seeking to redeem it. If that's you, do me a huge favor. Whenever you do that thing that is different, would you take a picture of it and tweet it to me and just tell me, hey, Kenny, episode 179 changed our changed our perspective, you know, and maybe you want to hashtag it, hashtag redeeming Halloween or hashtag redemption or whatever, something like that. Um, but do me a huge favor. Again, this is only if you've listened to this episode and it has really had an impact on kind of maybe changing your perspective. And if, and if you and your family plan to do something different or you and your group of friends are doing something different than you otherwise would have done, take a picture of you guys doing whatever that thing is tweet it at me, let me know. And here's what I'll do as a, as a form of uh, as gratitude to you. I want to send you a copy uh, of my book. The reason is because I just think I would love to hear from you guys. It would be so encouraging for me to just know that maybe this episode has had a has had an influence on some people out there. And so again, if you could do that, if that's if that's you, if this episode has challenged you to prayerfully and intentionally do something different than you other would have otherwise would have done, take a photo of you and your fr- family and friends doing whatever that thing is 
tweet it at me, let me know, and then we'll correspond by Twitter or email, and I'll get you a copy of my book, Redefine, that I wrote a few years back. Um, I don't know what else to offer you. I apologize. It sounds sort of self-promoting to some extent, um, but it's the only thing I've got to offer you. I would love, love to be able to send you a free copy uh, of my book, Redefined. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm always so thankful uh, for all of our listeners. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, I would also love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.